Hello and welcome to another edition of RSF Radio. I'm your host, Joe Monday, and I have a very special guest today. Coming over, going over, comb, the comb over of, man, words of swear, now the co-owner of Adapt Gaming and from Nashville, Tennessee, Aaron Lanton. How you doing, man? Doing pretty good, man. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited to, you know, uh, be here talking with you, period, you know, about the FGC and, and uh, what we're planning to do with Adapt. Yeah, you've kind of got a lot of cool things on the horizon here that I I think would be very useful tools for the community in general, especially since we're kind of going online for the most part now. Uh, and more people seem to be coming up to speed with tech stuff, whereas they hadn't used to been for the last uh, decade or so. Yep. Um, but regardless, though, uh, before we really dig into that too much, uh, at the start of the show... I always give new guests an opportunity to pitch whatever they have going on, any projects you're working on, any socials you want to send people to at the start of the show so that people can't avoid it at the end of the show. So what do you got going on? Well, uh, if you want to just follow me and what I'm doing, um, you can find my Twitter at A-L-A-N-T-O-N-1-1. So that's A-Lanton-11. So that's my Twitter. Um, I don't stream a whole lot on Twitch, but if you want to check that out, uh, where I play a lot of Samurai Showdown right now and... um, dabbling in all kind of action adventure games since i just got ps now uh you can go to hands and face so h-a-n-d-s the letter n f-a-c-e um and of course uh definitely want to make sure you guys check out adapt.gg currently the url does not have anything there for you to look at but we're putting everything together where you'll be able to download the mobile app and of course organize everything for tournaments on that website uh, also, if you have any direct questions about Adapt, once we get through chatting, uh, feel free to hit me up at Aaron at Adapt.gg. Awesome. Uh, one, and one other thing just okay. came to mind: uh, the podcast that I do separately from what I do regarding FGC, uh, it's called Low Key Podcast, uh, where mm-hmm. uh, two friends of mine, uh, Tim Malloy, who is a really, really exceptional journalist, uh, owner of MovieMaker.com. And an amateur filmmaker named Keith Denny, very talented dude. We talk about all sorts of films. Uh, we recently did the platform, uncorked on Netflix, and actually one of our uh, upcoming episodes will be talking directly with the director of Uncorked, who's going to lay out how he um, came onto the project and how the film came about about a sommelier in Memphis, Tennessee. It's a really cool story. I think I, I think I have watched that movie. How old is that? Uh, at this point, maybe six weeks. It's, it's on Netflix exclusively. Right oh, now. okay. I'm thinking about a different one. Uh, about, so, a so. different movie about a different sommelier. Uh, yeah. No, I've heard that the platform is in, an interesting concept. I don't know if they deliver entirely, but uh, <laughs> uh, on a lot of things, but. 100% agree there. It is not a direct correlation to capitalism, in, in my opinion. And uh, Tim in particular went really hard at the film. Um, mm-hmm. I do think it does some things well, but, um, you know, there's some things you can get from it, but definitely not some, you know, exact critique of how capitalism functions. There's something about movies that have like a small stage that I like, like, have you ever seen like the cube where it's like technically like all filmed in like one room or even like, uh, movies like the descent where, it might look like there's a lot of stages, but it's only like one very small 
state and like very few props that they filmed on that make it really interesting. By the way, welcome yeah. to the movie podcast where we're not talking about movies. <laughs> um, well, I, my wife is, is actually, she's um, a thespian herself. She used to do costume uh, design in New York City. Um, oh, I stayed shit. here for quite a while. I mean, we, we can jump into my background, you know, a little bit later. But um, so, yeah, I mean, that sounds super interesting. The Descent I'm familiar with, not The Cube, though. So I'm going to have to check that out. It's like a, a schlocky horror movie. It's like people in a cube. Each cube room has like kill contraptions in it, kind of. It's so a different version of Saw? No. Um, no. No. Kind of, mm. but no. It's it's lower budget than think think lower budget than that. <laughs> all right i'm jotting it down for for of you later I'm, I'm gonna look it up and get back to you no there it's it's schlocky horror which i'm i happen to be a big fan of schlocky horror movies because there's like there's fun things that can be done in those where like good stories could be told that they often get overlooked a lot of the time uh yeah for like their storytelling value for being horror movies which like i get it but like I don't know. Anyway. So have, have you seen, um, look, not to keep going on movies for a minute, but have you seen, what's that story that just came out? Uh, it's, a, it's a film. Uh, it was in theaters until COVID happened, but it was about the invisible person. What was that movie Oh, called? The Invisible Man? It was literally The Invisible Man. Uh, <laughs> invisible, <laughs> something about Invisible Person. Um, uh, I can't. Have you seen that one yet? I have not yet. Uh, I'm familiar with like the the original Invisible Man, which is like, a, it's like a goofy, fun like monster movie but uh what i did hear about the invisible man it being super, like a super low budget has been doing like gangbusters in terms of yeah. on returns because it was only like i want to say they spent 10 million on it which like is not a whole lot of money in terms of movies and budgeting for like uh, uh advertisements and stuff like that yep uh but like I heard that they made a lot from it, which is like well, kind of cool. Is, is a great studio. And, oh and my gosh! Take a yeah, lot of they, they take a lot of good. Like you were saying, Blumhouse does take a lot of good chances on horror movies, which is like kind of their thing now. Yeah, I mean they're they're really good, and of course they even gave us stuff like Get Out, which is mm -hmm. you know not the kind of movie you would expect. I'm very impressed with them. Um, I could bore you to death with movie talk all day, but I'm scared we'll we'll only be doing that if we, if we keep going down that road. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's... So, you can tell us all about your horror stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, we totally could. It's just one of those things, because it's like being unemployed currently, not having a yeah. lot of things to do. I'm like, I'm digging into like the, the movie side of things because like I can, I have time now to do that and catch up on a bunch of movies that I haven't seen while I'm like working and stuff. I'll have something on in the background or like I'll like when I want to like really pay attention, like something great. Like I watched the lighthouse recently, which is now streaming on oh, uh, Amazon. Is that good? It's on Amazon prime. If you have Amazon prime video, you can just watch it. What? Uh, oh. It is, it, it is capturing. Uh, it's like extremely well shot. I, incredible performances all the way around it's it's a it's a quality film uh especially during these times of if you might be quarantined with like roommates for example <laughs> uh, a roommate that you may or may not enjoy the presence of it is it it might hit a little too close to home actually if that you is like your... a toddler because that, that's what i got going right now <laughs> uh, if if the toddler farts a lot maybe uh, yeah he does actually <laughs> i think that's hilarious <laughs> Word, word. Yeah. Okay, enough, enough movie talk. What is the name of the podcast again, just so we can round that one off? 
uh low-key low-key if you, low if you key. look up low-key anywhere you look at podcasts you'll find us myself tim malloy keep denny awesome uh i'm gonna give that a listen because right, please do please do sounds real good uh and sounds like you know what the fuck you're talking about but what you do also know what the fuck you're talking about is with fighting games because you've been in the community for for a bit and you've got something in the works here that might be helpful to the community at large so tell us about adapt and what's going on there so the blurb i've written like when i go to entrepreneur festivals and things like that is adapt is an esports community hub for all fighting games the platform is used to run and organize tournaments record statistics and provide other missing links critical to infrastructure in the growing esports space okay so i mean that gives you a sense of what it is but like what the hell am i actually talking about mm-hmm. um so in general you know one thing um that I realized um, I've been playing fighting games like since I was real, real young. Like, my mom bought me a Sega Genesis when I was real young, and then Mortal came, Mortal Kombat came. I think in, when I was four, like nineteen ninety one, ninety two, something like that. And she just beat my ass. It was ridiculous. I was so <laughs> mad. Um, but so that that was actually my start in in, in fighting games. And um, you know, just another quick story about fighting games to give you a sense of like. How much I did enjoy them, despite I know what the hell I was doing. Like I had Marvel, uh, Capcom 2 on Dreamcast in the summer of 2000. No VMU, so I can't save shit, and <laughs> I don't know air combos, nothing. Like I'm just kind of just messing around with it. And eventually, I started getting the feel for. It. But you know, that's not online play or nothing. I'm like playing by myself, right. learning how to beat the final boss without getting touched, stuff like that. And uh, like just finding ways to challenge myself, um, not knowing that there's this world out there of incredible players just doing things that I wouldn't be able to comprehend. And as YouTube kind of comes around and you start seeing more stuff beyond forms of people saying, oh, there's this legendary thing happening here and there's this thing you've never seen before. Um, like when I got in college and I actually had, you know, internet to myself and able to just kind of look stuff up in 2005, mm-hmm. um, I finally met this group of people too locally. So I went to the university of Tennessee, Knoxville, and it was a group there called Knox fighters. And that's where I met some of the people who would now world renowned Tekken players, for example, like Trungi. And, mm-hmm. uh, those guys really helped just build that passion and, and, that, and that fight, um, and that drive to want to get better and to just watch other people just try all sorts of things. Um, and those guys to this day still do those things and across Tennessee. Uh, so, you know, I, I met Majin at the time and um, all kind of guys and, and they showed me I wasn't as good as I thought I was at different games, which was, which was a really good lesson to learn. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And so I feel like that's you know, everyone's like first experience when they go play people for real after being like sheltered at your home in the age before there was online play where it's like, I'm really good at beating like my close friends or like my mm-hmm. brother or sister. And then you play people actually know what they're doing. And it's like, Oh, I, I need to learn how to play fighting games. Apparently. <laughs> yeah, man. And I, you know, I, this is a true story too. I remember one day I went on GGPO. This is like, shoot, I don't know, like 2008, 2009 and AC Slayer yeah. kicked my ass for like two hours <laughs> straight. I think I got like three rounds and he was like, yeah, I bet, I bet you beat the people you're around all the time, but you know, here's some of the things that you're not considering. And here's how I'm able to, you know, kind of anticipate what you're doing. And I was like, Oh man, like this is, this is some deep shit. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, 
it was just really interesting. I got more and more into it. I started traveling to tournaments. I think the first major I went to was final round. Um, and since then, I, I've had a chance to do all sorts of things. So just skipping ahead to like what this means for ADAPT and like what I realized. Um, there's just a lot of things that we should have uh, as a community that we don't have yet. One yeah. of the most basic ones is a mobile app. Um, it's still weird to go to an event and see that pool runners have to yell out people's names. Uh, and <sighs> yeah, I mean, for super large events, I see that. For like smaller ones, like I think I mean, that you, it's, it, it's doomed because it's it's the feasibility of that i i understand but uh, go no, ahead no. So, so, yeah, i'm not saying that as a as a slight to to's or pool runners what i'm saying is we should have had some infrastructure built by this point that would have allowed us to say oh boom here's a notification or whom you know here's a text alert something right right um yeah like you your know, phone before your pools begin you should get like an alert right that says your pools start in five minutes or some shit like that Right. And, and even at present, um, there are cases where some of the platforms we use now when, you know, like a pool changes or you get switched to another pool or the time mm -hmm. changes, we don't get even an email notification. Mm -hmm. So you just get DQ'd and you don't even know what the hell happened. Um, yeah, that, that we, happens on, on Smash a lot because you are not notified whenever the people change pools. And that shit can happen like a day before the event begins just because of how how seating works or if they have like on-site registration which like it's a fucking nightmare um yeah i'm sorry go ahead I, no 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 no. I, I think you know you're, you're making the case for me um you know these are the sorts of things that i experienced as a player and um you know you would see um, frustrated players say oh why is this happening why is that happening and you know, I really feel for the people who are organizing these events because, you know, in some cases that stuff is unavoidable, but you do want to be able to communicate to your, your you know, the people who are basically your clients, what's happening. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially like international players, like that's, that's a really crummy thing to have happen if you can't easily tell what's going on. Yeah. So um, that was really the initial impetus, but, um, you know, when I graduated from, from college, uh, my wife and I uh, and another good friend of ours, we moved up to New York City, uh, filled with wanting to do all these different dreams and stuff. And, you know, we ended up doing all sorts of things. One of the things that I actually did was journalism. Uh, in particular, one of my focuses was within sports. And one thing you end up learning uh, when you're working in that sector is for sports journalism, narrative it's hard to really build narrative without data. Mm -hmm. So if I say to you, um, Aaron Rodgers had a great game, it's like, okay, well, how many yards did he throw? What's his completion percentage? Um, did he do something particular in a certain half? Or, you know, did he come from behind? Um, is he winning multiple games in a row? Well, imagine we don't track any of that. Well, that'd be kind of weird, right? Like if I tell you had a great game, like I, I can't contextualize that or, or to any other player or even say that he's in any way objectively better. Right. Even with a flawed stat, I can't really show that, right? If I'm not tracking any of it. But we use numbers to um, really help build perspective for not just the player in their moment, but also for other eras. Even as rules change, that's something we want to understand. And you know, you would see all these players do these amazing things and you realize um, for the FGC, 
that it's lost in the history books. Yep. So one of the greatest accomplishments that I can think of off the top of my mind, and, and again, maybe this is true, maybe it's not, is Justin Wong not losing a tournament in Marvel 2 for, I think it was like almost three years. The, 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 yeah, you know, I think that's, everyone that tracks. He was like yeah, undefeatable. Right. That, that's everyone's memory. He did not lose a set for three years, which is yeah. crazy, right? But it's like, did that happen? I think it did. But <laughs> that, anybody, that could be the lore. We don't know. <laughs> right. Did anybody record that? Um, and and so that's the kind of thing I realized, damn, like we're just missing that. Because there'd be things that would happen. Like there was that, that moment where Punk in uh, the second season of Street Fighter Five was just like unbeatable. And mm. I was just like, damn, like no one's keeping track of this. It, it, I don't know in, in Street Fighter Five in particular if there's been a more dominant moment for anybody yet. Um, we've had different people be at the top for short periods, Mental RD, right. um, Tokido at different periods, um, Daigo early on in the game, you could say. Uh, Idom's probably considered the top dog now. Uh, but I think it's also fair yeah. to say that Idom was good. He just didn't travel as much. See, that's the other thing. So, you know, which we don't have stats can, for. We don't know. We can't quantify that. Yeah. Can, can <laughs> we quantify the, the level of competition? So, like, let's say a dude in Montana right. is just kicking the shit out of everybody. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's Montana, which is not a diss to Montana, but it's like, you know, if, if you have like a 90% win percentage in Montana, is that as good as having a 50% win, win rate in New York City? Well, I don't know. We're not tracking anything because we don't know how people do when they travel to events with people of a certain caliber of skill. Right. So these are the sorts of things that um, are missing and within ADAPT, uh, within our infrastructure and our schema and our database, we'll be able to show that, um, you know, for any player who wants to see how they do um, player versus player, player versus country, player versus um, a certain region, all kinds of stuff. So that's the sort of uh, breakdown we want to provide and what we feel like we'll be able to really help uh, people who are covering um, the FTC in particular provide some context and really um, gravitate people to these stories that we really hold dear, but that other people can't really contextualize. It's like, well, this guy's really good. But it's like, well, based on what? Right. Yeah, like you could just generally say that you might have been able to the way that the FGC is, you might've played that person in the past and and have that to be like, okay, he whooped my ass. So I can (laughs) say he's good because I know I'm the greatest. Uh, It's like based on ego and shit like that. But Mm -hmm. you're right. There is no one place where players can go to be able to keep track of all that stuff, especially when there are so many locals happening across the the nation and the world in general that yep. it's just kind of lost to it's funny that you brought up things that are lost to time like information and, and matches and sets that are lost to time i think in the street fighter world the best example of that would be uh the evo moment 37 the daigo perry because mm. the match his match like right before that he had done the exact same thing to Ricky Ortiz, but it wasn't on, it wasn't on film. Yo, I didn't know that. <laughs> it wasn't on film and it, and it wasn't for the win. So it's, uh-huh. it, but he did the, like the exact same thing, uh, like a raw activation of the super in the neutral, parried the whole thing, even with the jump Damn. punish. I know. 
Now, the other thing that's lost the time on that is that Daigo didn't win that tournament. Like, that's yeah, which not, is <laughs> <laughs> just like the other added fun bit to that. Oh uh, but like, so again, weird. it's just, I don't know. Like, we all look at that as like MJ shooting the jump shot with zero seconds on the clock to, to, to win the championship, right? It's Right, right. But it's actually not that at all. And we don't have the numbers or data to actually look at it that way. Uh, and no one's no one was keeping track of it. Or, like, the people who were... I mean, we were. Like, you can look up on, like, Wikipedia and see that he didn't win. But, like, it wasn't all there. There's no lifetime stats uh, for mm-hmm. all of these players across all of these games. Which, like, is the other tough thing to do because the games themselves change over time and not like sports mm-hmm. where like, I mean, baseball has changed, but like, it's not like baseball too. It's just the rules are different. 100%. And I think you're saying something that I think a lot of sports journalists do a really poor job of, uh, actually contextualizing. Like I used to, mm-hmm. you know, write like for about the NBA, for example, and people will talk about how the golden state warriors had the most beautiful game now. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, you know, like, oh, well, anybody could do this. So, like, the Houston Rockets, like, you know, if they, if the coaches had just been smart enough to spread the floor. And I'm like, guys, you know why, you know, they couldn't do that? If James Harden had tried that in the 80s, they would have beat his ass when he got into the paint. That's why you can't do that. It's not that it doesn't work and guys weren't smart. It's just you'd have to have a player really be able to take that kind of physical beating all the time. Right. And that's just not reasonable now the bulls for example did do that stuff in the early 90s but they didn't do it very frequently and they didn't do it against certain opponents and you also had to have players of a high enough skill level to even pull that off with with that amount of shooting skill um and i feel like that actually happens oftentimes too when we talk about the fgc it's like players will have ups and downs but oftentimes those ups and downs kind of deal with the you know nerves and buffs that happen with a character and so one mm-hmm. thing we were definitely thinking about was how you you can have overall stats, but they also need to be um, stratified in such, such a way that we can view them by season because mm-hmm. those things do matter. Yeah, that is because that's totally change. Yeah, yep. uh, that's like I feel like we're almost going to have an argument, a similar argument of like who was better, LeBron or, or Michael Jordan, and then like put on our Stephen A. our best Stephen A. Smith impressions. Now you know. <laughs> you know I love LeBron. <laughs> LeBron's a good man. He's a good man. You know I love him. You cannot deny he's a great player. Greatest one of the greatest of all time. But he is not. He is not the greatest of all time. <laughs> you know, and, and the funny thing is, I think the, the biggest difference between this is gonna sound like I'm not making an FGC analogy, but I totally am. Daigo right? may have made um, that Perry, but he is not the greatest of all time. <laughs> but you know, you know what's really funny? Like if you go back and look at the Marvel era, like uh, Marvel three era, right? Uh, similar to the whole Jordan thing, like I think LeBron is is definitely one of the best players of all time. But he had something that Jordan had, which is he could intimidate opponents by just simply being present. Like that Wong factor thing, Justin Wong won so many matches because somebody would just drop something when they were about to do something real cool to, to clutch it out. <laughs> yep. But they, they just, oh shit, it's Justin. And they would just drop it. Like, and it was amazing to watch. It's like, you can't quantify that in any way, but it was happening all the damn time. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, no, that's like actually, that. that is actually a good, a better analogy is the, the MVC three era of if we had overall stats for across 
all of these years for all of these players. There was no double victory at Evo, so we cannot say who who leads it just based on Evo wins. Right. But what if we looked at like all the other data and who could be considered the best of all time that that's still up in the air. There's a, that's an argument to be made for having a service like this of being able to track these stats of like player versus player and all that stuff would be super useful. Yeah. I mean, we really feel like there are just a ton of applications, things that we have not even considered. Um, one of the most basic ones though, is just tournament seating. Um, we don't have a solid way to do that. And so, which is fucked up to be clear, like (laughs) all tournament seeding is hella fucked up from like a regional perspective, like Mm. a a general seeding perspective of player points. Like even in the Capcom pro tour where they have points, things Mm. were not seeded appropriately or the same across all events. And it's fucking wild. Uh, well, I mean, and, and again, but see, when it comes to that, that's about points. Now, that I, get, I guess you can't really do anything about that because it's about who you actually have to do more. And I think I thought Capcom did an amazing job of spreading out the events more globally. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, we have the Rona going on, so we're not going to yeah. get to see, you know, the implementation of that, that you know, really thoughtful work they did. And, and I, you know, really hope that, you know, not just Capcom, but other publishers who were, uh, putting in the work to provide that sort of infrastructure around their games and that support that that continues mm-hmm. because it, it was massively important. And I thought this was going to be like a, you know, a year to really uh, push things to the next level. Um, having I, said that though, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, just kind of like an aside there. I think that this season can still be salvaged in a way that if things start lifting up by gosh, after things really probably not going to get good by May. We're probably not going to be out of this by the end of May, right? No, doubtful. No. All right. If things start clearing up by the end of May, then I can see them implementing their, their ideas for what they were going to plan for the, the latter half of the year, which is like your world warrior challenges based on like more specifically regional events, which would have been a good idea and can still work. If there's like, I don't know, we'll see it. Take care. Like, I'm not like saying people go out and play the games just to, to get no, like fucking stay safe, stay inside and do not, do not spread this virus. Like I'm not advocating that whatsoever. It's just, maybe I'm hopeful that, you know, maybe things will, I don't know. We we need optimism. We we need optimism. I think we don't want to, we don't want to fool ourselves about, uh, the reality, there's a lot more testing globally yeah. that needs to take place before that sort of thing is considered safe, especially when you're talking about people um, coming beyond borders and going to another place. You really want to be as, yeah. as thoughtful about that as possible, which is why, although I was very annoyed about what happened with the Mortal Kombat finals um, in Chicago, I understood it. I hated that they waited so long um, and people were already traveling there and all that, but it was the responsible decision, even right. though it really, really sucked. Um, yeah. But it's you know, just bad timing, you know. It's- yeah, but I mean, you know, I think we have to to just think about what we're going to do um, once we're able to collectively uh, come out of this moment. And, and it might not be super quick, unfortunately, but um, 
you know, a commitment to what we want to do next, I think, is whenever that moment is, whether it's in the summer or it's in, you know, the start of next year, whatever that happens to be, we really want to just make sure that we're, you know, committing to a certain vision and doing what we can to set set ourselves up for the the best uh, outcome. You're right. It's now is the time to start for whatever reason. I've seen a lot of people start thinking about infrastructure in terms of like player connectivity, region connectivity. Uh, And just because we're forced to right now, because everyone is forced online, which leads to the very funny joke where (laughs) like, I remember old heads always saying the the line of online FGC. That's not FGC. That's only online. And then (laughs) (laughs) pandemic strikes the world. We're all online. It's all the same. It's it, don't it's worry beautiful. about it. Well, uh, it, it. Isn't it kind of funny? It just so happens that this is right around the time Capcom was making all those netcode changes, oof. and um, and some of the I don't know. Like I had a better experience with the first change than the second one. It's still yeah, better than it was before. It it's better. But it's not without its faults, and hopefully they continue to work on it and continue so. to work on it until uh, the 2021 Olympics. Now, as they've they've changed the date oh, on man. that, it's crazy. I, I forgot all about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I mean, that's wild to to think. Uh, but I mean, it is wild. Yeah. It's worthwhile though. I mean, you can't it, just for public safety. It's it's just a requirement, even though most of the events were going to be online. Uh, I get it. Uh, so may I actually ask a question related um, to sure, the yeah. online um, move? So as far as the, the weeklies that, that have been happening for the East and West Coast, like have you seen an uptick um, in um, just interest overall, like whether it's in viewership or, or entrance? Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, just because people are still hungry to play. Right. Uh, and they're just forced into online spaces. And there's some people who actually had their locals on Monday nights that mm-hmm. they can't attend anymore. So because our tournaments are on Mondays and, and Friday, but like days where people would be doing something with their local, they're now we ha- we have had this around for a while. So it makes sense for people to tr- transition to uh, to an online tournament sense. Um, so, yeah, our mm-hmm. numbers have been bigger, uh, but not like not significantly bigger uh i don't know if it's like our tournament just being cause there's a lot of reasons why people wouldn't be or like are are afraid to en- not like afraid to enter but like weary about entering mostly because like it could be a huge time commitment they might not think that they're good enough or think that online tournaments are below them and it's oh well not not look i'll raise my hand for the first not the third one (laughs) (laughs) exactly it's who knows uh about the reasons for or not i mean and it's still some people just don't like online play like it is it it is quantifiably different from local play it's so different but but it, it you have to be I, I think there's just a a mindset that's a little bit different. It, you, you have to almost have like a certain uh, brain that's like, here's a scenario. Here are the different options that'll that'll happen given this scenario. I'm going to commit to the two most likely options mm-hmm. and then go from there. 
that's what I feel like happens online most of the time. Like you, I, like Rushdown makes me laugh all the time when watching him play, <laughs> just because he'll be like, there was some I don't remember who he's playing against, but it was that Cammy. It was just like that. Like, what the hell happening? And because <laughs> it was like, you know what, you know what, I'm gonna do. I'm just press this button. Like, look, it might not work. I might die. Who cares? I'm just gonna press this shit. And but it was it was it was the it was an optimal option, right? If if the person was concerned about losing and, and getting scared, and that's exactly what was happening. It was it was pretty incredible. So I was like, yeah, man, you know what? You know, ride or die, like how is gonna happen? Like I'm, I'm gonna just try it. I'm, I'm just gonna get my ass whooped, but like I'm gonna just do it because that just looked fun. Like I was like, all right, that's that's pretty hilarious. There are specifically concerning rushdown. He's one of my favorite players to watch uh, because he does the thing that. I always notice as a commentator, uh, but then plays to his opponent. Because there's a lot of ways that you can tell mm-hmm. as a commentator where the other person is not adapting or the other person is not like paying attention to certain things uh, and is not not playing against the 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 player they're playing they're yes. like trying to play against the character or they're and, just doing what they feel like is comfortable and they won't stop right. doing that thing right he will yeah. notice that almost immediately and then he has the ability to play to it in a way that is entertaining or silly yes. or just dumb and there's a lot of that missing from street fighter 5 in particular because it's not a game that reward that it's not a game that lets you fuck up like often like he mm-hmm. could like with something in the neutral and that could lead to a crush counter and then like his death after one or two guesses and it's like well <laughs> okay maybe and then he'll just have to take that lock even even if he's like outplaying the person or or if he or she is outplaying a person then it's like you know it could it could go wrong but specifically in rushdown's case it's like he's able to adapt in a way that is entertaining to watch and it's just it makes it fun uh yes i don't think we're gonna get into i don't think there's enough time to get into the whole rob tv versus rushdown hey, match look I, I didn't i really you know what was disappointing for me like i this, and this is part of what i hope adapt can do like when when exhibitions and things like that like we want to try to capture some of this stuff it's not our main goal um we're trying to do events but like if people are just doing something fun and goofy and money match and they just want to be hey we're gonna do this thing and they want to like tell the people who follow their profile hey don't forget we're gonna do this thing get a notification when we play and here's where you go watch it that'd just be funny like i wanted to watch the the vod i i need to find it but i mean you know what's i met rob forever ago at at kit he was such an asshole um (laughs) and like he's a much better player now but i remember watching him i'm like this dude is he's all right um, but that's just who Damn he, I mean, he's just, he, no, no, I'm not saying that he, he's somebody who has fun by being what most people would consider abrasive. Right. Um, yeah. he's not going to hold his tongue. He, he just talks a lot of shit and, and that's how he has fun with the game. And that's not for everybody. Right. Like I'm like that with people I know, but not just like in general. So, you know, I get it. Like he, he, he's just shit talking. He's having fun. Um, and, and you know, he's, he's not a bad dude by any means. He talks a lot of shit. No, I, um, like, like disclosure for, for myself. I love both of these guys. Like they're, they're both great rushdown yeah. and, 
and Rob T- Robert Television are yeah. <laughs> they're fantastic people and, and them having this so he has improved over the years so much like there's yeah. no doubt you cannot deny that dude skill man absolutely like he, he is he's legit and absolutely. gave I run for his money yesterday in NLBC uh, weekly so mm-hmm. I mean I mean props to him man he, he's an incredible player mm-hmm. uh, it's just it, it, like fun stuff like that you know like both of them having fun with the game trash talking a little bit and uh, if for those of you who don't know uh haven't followed uh those two had i don't know like could you call it a feud like it's let's just call it a feud sure uh, sure yeah. and they played on rompapoyo's stream uh and i believe rompapoyo has the vods up somewhere i'll try and find it and link it in oh, the show please, notes. please put, yeah please do if you can because i'm, I'm yeah. i desperately want to watch that whole thing i think about that uh then they ran a first five money match. Uh, Rob wins in a five to one set. Uh, then comes on the mic hot <laughs> and <Like> super hot. <laughs> comes in super hot. Oh yeah. Oh, just it, like lays it on thick and it's just, it's hilarious. And knowing both of those guys, it's just, it's fun. And now I'm thinking as like a evil general manager, now I have to like Paul Bear style carry around Rushdown's urn before <laughs> like SummerSlam, the, it'll, a light will shine from the urn and Rushdown will appear and, and slay whoever is the, we're working on the storyline. We're, you know, it's, well, it's, it's, what's so funny is not all, all, all the back and forth about how to fact it's online and I beat you online anyway. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, oh, but so you're bragging about the online, but we online. I mean, it's uh, the whole thing. I, I love the contradiction of it because that, oh, that's so not the point. It, it, it's just, you know, you're just having fun with, with, with folks that, that you kick it with and it's, it's whatever. And there's no beef. It's not serious. Like, that's, I mean, I feel like we we have lost some of that. Um, being able to just kind of, you know, say things without it always being taken to the next level. Um, yeah. uh, people feel like, oh, there's got to be like a ban or some weird shit across it. Now, some of the stuff that recently happened, we even get into that, I don't think, but you know, th- I, that merited it. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to touch on any of that stuff right now because it's, nope, nope. That's it's too, <laughs> even for me, all of just looking at that being like, you guys are everyone involved is fucking stupid and this is the worst <laughs> like i i yeah it, it's it's really silly but i get i actually put out a tweet and you know i'm not the biggest personality by any means no one really pays attention to what i say uh but you know i do think that you know first off i don't envy any of the decisions that that tos have to make on stuff like this because it, it's very difficult to manage uh, but i will say that it needs to be made clear to people that if you're doing these sorts of things at tournaments, not and not berating people the way we saw there, but if it's just talking about using using certain words, you know, people do that in the heat moment at these tournaments, at these events all the time. So let's just be really clear about like what the rules are here. Right. Um, and I having hope that, that it's just, you know, we just have clear guidelines so that people aren't Yes, I feel like this favoritism, you know, I think that that is key. Uh, Specifically, there's an episode of this show uh, talking to Icy Glaceon uh, where she recommends and I fully agree with this, having extremely clear cut code of conduct for their tournament, which is just it's lengthy. It's it's a big code of conduct. It has a lot of rules to it. But having that, you know, 
big document there is useful in situations where, uh, like this, where there's a line to be drawn between like being continually hateful versus just hating someone's play. Uh, <laughs> it's because that's real. That is real. It's real, man. But like, I don't know. Who bitched this? Yeah, yeah, honestly, like you have to give that right. Um, there's always a line, um, but you know, I, I do think that um, these are things that are going to happen that needed to happen anyway. Uh, this isn't how you wanted to come up, right? Uh, but I, I think we have you know a lot of people who are very smart who are going to you know figure this out. Um, now, one thing I did want to bring up too. It's really funny about adapt related to online play. Um, we were not going to do any online tournaments. Um, one of the reasons, <laughs> oops, was no. Well, the, yeah, well, I mean, of course, like Ronan, you know, it's making everybody yeah. make pivots, right? Uh, right? But the the main reason was, you know, it was like, all right, well, like, will people feel like these results are valid? So that was the first issue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Second issue was. Um, how do you actually, and, and, you know, probably, you know, off the mic, I'd like to talk to you a little bit more about how to handle this. Cause I think it's a more detailed conversation, but how do you actually capture each round? Cause what our goal is, is to capture every single round. There are ways that we figured out how to do it. That makes sense for offline for online. You can already see some complications there specifically if you like adding additional people to a lobby and that could potentially impact the connections as well. So. Uh, there are things we've been trying to think through about how to make that work. Um, and so on, I'd be really open to anybody who's listened so far. If you have any ideas on this, please reach out. Um, whether it's on, on my Twitter, Aglanton11 or at Aaron at adopt.gg. We're really trying to find ways to, to figure this out um, and, you know, make sure that we're satisfying community needs. That's That's the main thing. Like it's, you know, every community has different things they need uh, within the fighting game genre. And so we just want to make sure that we're not um, doing things that works for one area, but not another, you know? Right. No, uh, that's a, that's something to think about. Uh, I don't know if I have an answer for you. Uh, well, and again, like, look, we're not looking for perfect answers. We're, we're just right. trying stuff at this point. I mean, we're, we're about to be at, at, uh, at a point in a couple of months. Uh, Cause so there are three people who are on the team who are, who are all co-owners for adapt. Um, mm -hmm. We all work full-time jobs. Uh, so now if we were just only working on this, it would have been out quite a while ago, but especially with the Rona happening now, we were like, oh, we'll have something that people can mess around with by combo breaker. But again, with this going on, it, it's kind of uh, pushed that deadline back a little bit. But uh, mm -hmm. we feel pretty comfortable that we'll be able to, to put something in people's hands, um, you know, in the near future, um, some months from now. And, you know, again, the, the goal was initially to just test things locally within the state. I know a lot of the people who, um, run all the events um, in each city um, within Tennessee, and that would have been a very easy um, draw for us to, to you know, have those people participate. But it, it's probably going to have to be a, a wider net that we're casting, um, given the the current um, global situation that, that's happening right now. And right. also, if anybody has any ideas for how to, or, or where we can find um schedules for what people are doing i've been able to to put together a decent amount of stuff but you know none of it's centralized and so that's what we're, we're actually trying to provide that centralized place and we're doing a lot of that uh for calendars and things right now um so uh, i'm you know in wherever terms, you you are globally we're trying to do that in terms of global online calendars uh gil stole my ride uh 
has a really good calendar uh, mm-hmm. to work off of, uh, as well as I wonder if top tier GG has been, if people have been editing in their, their weeklies as online events, that might also be a good place to look. Oh yeah. They, uh, they, they've done an amazing job. I don't, I don't know if they've had a chance and, and actually I, I should reach out uh, to choice sauce and ask them um, how they've done uh, recently. Cause we, we've been in communication before. I actually haven't reached out to them since this most recent situation happened with, with the Rona, but um, I definitely will reach out and, and ask them, you know, Hey, how, how's, you know, have you had any updates and you know just how they're they're tracking those things going forward because mm-hmm. we definitely want to collaborate with people who are trying to do new things i really do love how you know um top tier has gone out of their way to really highlight community and um just give different perspectives for people on how they should approach fighting games and and things like that I, it's it's um you know really going to be important to to have other news outlets that can do things for us like that going forward. Definitely. Definitely. Um, you spoke about Nashville's local scene a little bit. I know this, we didn't necessarily plan on talking about this, but kind of before things got hit hard, can you tell us about the, the local scene there? Like what's, what's good? What's good in Nashville. So, you know, what's crazy. Like we have, uh, two different locals. There are some that happen, um, at an arcade called game galaxy, um, mm-hmm. which is owned by Jason Wilson. He's an OG, um, street fighter player from way back when he plays all kinds of games, but, um, he is just really dominant figure. Um, I know he, he started playing games on the West coast out in Cali first. Um, and uh, he owns one of the largest libraries of video games in the whole world, uh, which is, yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty fantastic. Um, and then we have um, another set of locals that occur. It was called the National Entrepreneur Center. So uh, it's a group of guys who uh, have put together um, a couple of organizations um, in collaboration with uh, state uh, officials who are helping bring entrepreneurship to the state. And they've used the National Entrepreneur Center as an area to really um, hold the locals and bring more people in. So the, right now they're averaging about 70 some odd people every week, which is insane. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we have a lot of different players in different games who are leveling up and doing all kinds of things. And of course, the biggest scene is Smash. Like they are uh, consistent and, and, and awesome. I, I you know love seeing those guys come out. Um, and also the production crew, the Four Horsemen, they've been getting uh, more things. And of course, um, uh, Ian, who runs KIT, he's present here and has been making a lot of things happen, um, you know, nationwide. And, you know, um, I'm sure he's going to, you know, start hitting it global, global level soon. He, he's really been uh, kicking ass and taking names lately. So um, yeah. definitely shout out to those guys. Yeah, KIT has been great for a long time now. Uh, no, that's awesome. All right. Uh, in that case, though, hmm trying to look at time and thinking about where's where to take this conversation because you're planning on getting the app up soon ish uh yeah i mean i, I kind of like hate to give like an schedule. exact date because because things kind of like as a combo breaker was like oh that's a good time but you yeah. know um yeah. it, it's definitely gonna be beyond that at this point um that's fair that's fair i don't want to pressure you don't want to pressure but, you into saying something but, like that. We will definitely, um, you know, um, be pushing to get something out as soon as possible into people's hands because it's, it's, you know, very much needed, um, even more now than ever. And um, I'm just really pumped to be able to talk 
in complete detail about everything it can do. Um, but, you know, you know, if you mind, uh, for one minute, I'll tell a really quick story that I think will provide some context about the sort of things you can you can learn from it. Please do. Um, Please do. So um, when Men are RD won Capcom Cup in 2017, I remember there was this conversation going around about, oh, well, you know, I mean, it was fluky. Birdie was broken, like all this stuff. Right. Um, how can somebody from Dominican Republic do this? You know, so on and so forth. Right. Mm-hmm. When you really dig into the numbers it it actually is way more impressive than everybody realized um so one of the things that we did as far as test data to look at stuff was manually record every single round that happened that shit took a long time we did it for multiple tournaments um but one of the things that really came out of that um and i don't know why i didn't think to do this earlier but i'm going to quickly share my screen so you can um see this as i'm taking a look uh all right here we go so just let me know you can see the screen uh okay perfect all right so right here just a quick uh set of percentages for his round one percentage match one percentages and set one percentage so you see overall they're, they're you know decently high so 60 percent 61 percent win rate 68 percent match rate 87 and a half percent set win rate Mm-hmm. Now, when you actually look at the opponents he played, it's kind of ridiculous. He played Shan, Kazunoko, Daigo, Itabachi, Zangief, Tokido, Nemo. Um, and you see this is broken down here in a player split. You can see how he did against everybody by round, game, well, let's just say round, match, set. We, we change the terminology later. Um, and you can see it by character split. Of course, it's the same. But the thing that's really hilarious when you look at it, look how much damage he did. on. He only played... Uh, against Japan and Singapore, of course, Shan being from Singapore, and he's really dominant against both countries. And when you actually compare how every country did against everyone else, they're kicking everyone's ass. When you see Men RD, he's beating them down pretty bad. Yeah, that's interesting, huh? And if you notice, the other thing that's super interesting too is he had he has a forty six percent win rate against Shan. Now the thing that's funny about that. That means, of course, he lost more rounds against Shan than he won, but he won the matches in the set overall. In other words, what kept happening with Shan, if you look at it too, his round win percentages are higher than the people who have um, placings above him. So he, I think he got like 13th or something like that. But the thing about him is when you beat him, uh, it always went to the fifth round of, of a game, and it always went to the fifth match of a set. I see. Right? And so his percentages are super high, but when he beats you, he just destroyed you. He was like six on people. Hmm. So hmm. it was actually really interesting. There's a lot of things you can learn from this data. And that's the kind of stuff that we really want people to be able to see is like his competition was incredibly tough, but when he played them, he kicked their ass, Shan did. And then RD, the only person he actually struggled to get against was Shan. He actually dominated Tokido and the rounds bear that out when you look at it. Yeah, no, that was a that was a clean set. Tokido was not ready for for Menas Birdie at that at that stage of the game. Honestly, not at all. It, it was incredible to 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 really learn and and you know the the numbers bear that out when you're actually recording every single round. You can see exactly you know how that looks. Um, and there's a lot of other things that are really interesting. Like you know, um, Punk would get up like two zero against people and then constantly go to like the the fifth match it was really weird do we get up two old matches and then it always go down to the fifth match i was like damn what the hell is that happening and it seemed like it was that period where he was i guess 
I don't know, like you know, that was the same year that he didn't win Evo. Yeah, that um, was the the big that was the big choke year. Uh, not yeah, to call I, I, it a big I, I choke. I didn't use that. I, I didn't use that word, but it, <laughs> it looked like it. Like, and, and it it did impact you know a lot of the tournaments that he played in after that. It, it yeah. really did seem like it because at that point, Karen hadn't been changed again yet. Um, that that patch hadn't come out until later, and then she was nerfed in season three, but. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he had like a, a you know character identity crisis. Like he was picking some everybody. But anyway, that, that that's you know large conversation. We've been talking about that forever. But yeah, that's just an example of the kind of stuff you can learn when you actually have this data in front of you. No, that's that's cool to see things broken out round by round and win percentages and and shit like that. That's like you said, when you have the data there, it can be it's useful to tell storylines. So Mena going up against the high win percent like technically having a low chance of winning and then still rolling uh, on Capcom Cup was kind of a big deal, honestly. Well, if, if, you, if you're doing gambling odds, though, and you have this data... Oh, my the, God. The, could you imagine com- how much someone would have won? <laughs> the community didn't think, didn't believe him in RD, but the thing was, like, he... He was. I mean, the data before that showed he should have won. I mean, he actually was kicking the hell out of Daigo all the yeah. time. Like, actually, last year in Combo Breaker 2, he beat Daigo real bad. Um, actually, you know what's funny? In, in Combo Breaker, I didn't even get to record all these, um, like, round by round, because a lot of these were offline. But I was right. present, and I just so happened to be, like, around watching the matches offset. Um, and I have a tweet explaining who all he beat. But he played the five gods um, of Street Fighter. So he played... I'm not gonna remember everybody right now. Uh, Bonchan, uh, Daigo, Kazunoko, uh, Mago. Mago, and is it Nemo? Shoot, who's the fifth one? Uh, anyway, whoever it was, he played all five of them and beat four of them and didn't get top eight. It was incredible. I was like, dude, that's insane. Like, what is up with this seating? Like, <laughs> that's stupid. <laughs> uh, which, and again, just not to, to diss them, just, they don't have the data to in, to in the software that's helping them make. You know decisions that make sense and again maybe he does that anyway because the the brackets are so condensed and there's so much competition i mean they got some of the best players in the world going to that tournament. right but it's like he should have been recognized for kicking the ass of four out of five guys like that's incredible at least like yeah right, you didn't get top eight but look who you played again so like imagine your sponsor looks at oh you didn't get top eight it's like look who the hell i be like that's ridiculous yeah. and they did back to back to back to back like it was crazy. Look at the names that were taken out that year by by Mena, and yeah. And, and meanwhile, somebody else gets top eight, and they play like you know two people at that level. I mean, like that matters, right? We should be looking at that stuff in, yeah, that's... in, in context. That 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 you know sort of data really does tell a, a better story about what actually happened. Yeah, because I mean, you always hear anecdotally people having easy runs out of pools versus having a difficult run out of pools, which it's like it, it, it. But it's a real thing that you can actually put numbers to and values to. Uh, interesting, interesting that you you're constructing something that can tell storylines like that. Um, I'm looking forward to it whenever whenever it is uh, up and running. Yeah, we're not uh, going to take forever. It, it's coming. But, um, you know, like I said, we're, we're really we're going to do it right. We're not going to rush it. We, we don't right. want to skip steps and then the product just, you know, be trash and all that. So when you get it, it's going to work. And, you know, if, it, if there are things that don't work, let us know, man. We're going to work on it. We're really committed to this. I dig it. 
All right. Well, I think that will just about do us for time. Uh, so unless there's anything else that you want to pitch before uh, we, we shut the lights off here. Uh, okay. So I have a question for you. Oh, actually. okay. I mean, and it's something I've, I've, I've thought about a little bit and I have an answer, even though it, it's, I guess there's recency <laughs> bias with it, but who do you think is the best fighting game player of all time? Ooh, man. Um, that of all yeah, it's, time. it's a hard question. Yeah, it is a hard time. question. Yeah, because so so I mean you could look at it, and I don't mean like for a specific game, but like whether you're talking about like a certain era or across all time period, like in different games, like you know, I mean, are they playing like NRS games and and you know, uh, Capcom stuff see, and, see, and that's, Namco? That's like the good question, right? Of if we're grouping all games together, and like NRS, do you say like? Am I gonna say Sonic Fox? Yeah, or am man. I, gonna I, say, I think I think that's the dude, probably. Or am I gonna say Justin Wong? Maybe it, it's so. Depending know. on I the think era, a, I think it's a great question. I think it's a great question. It's a fun question. I think it's something we we have a better answer to if we had data against it, which is right. one of the reasons I'm like, oh yeah, like you know, um, here, here's one way we could look at that problem, right? But. I do think I mean Sonic has been the best at like eight or nine damn games over a decade. Like it's kind of insane, right? Um, and I saw it's Justin though, right? Um, but yeah, his 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 uh, plethora of games is not as as wide as Sonic Fox. Like we're talking Dead or Alive, NRS games, uh, Marvel games, <laughs> Dragon Ball. That's uh, true. Are we also looking at all the competition for those games though? Right. See, I, that's a good. That's a good point. It's a great point, actually. See, I don't know. I like, mean, if you keep that in mind, I'd see. I don't. I don't know the competition for all those games as as well as I do the Capcom games. Like, I have a, a sense of it, but not not incredibly in depth. Like, because right. there are players who've been playing some games, like CVS Two, like. Um, they just what was it? Is it bass that like comes from Japan? Just comes to uh, tournaments, and just takes American money all the time. Yep. Yeah. It's just. It's just yeah. It's it's, just, no one can touch him, but in Japan, it's not he wins all the time, uh, yeah. <laughs> which is what's so, so goofy about it. Yeah, yeah, like, and then how do you quantify that over like across all of the years, and then say this person is the best of all time? I think expanding it to all fighting games makes that question near impossible to answer. Yeah, uh, I think so, probably. Man, because there's just I can think of a lot of good players. I can think of a lot of really dominant players per game uh, mm-hmm. but can I group that all together and quantifiably say one over the other but I don't know Team but America Justin cool Wong's that, the best Justin Wong's the best fuck everybody else Justin Wong <laughs> but look isn't it cool that somebody like Arsenal ass comes out last year and you're like shit like have we even been looking at the whole world yet yeah and just fucking dominated and destroyed that people and, and like neat and then and then they Pakistan gets studied so hard that yeah. they don't even get to like the top eight in, in the world fight like god like that's it it's like i don't know i ain't gonna lie pakistan feeling themselves and they should they were dominating people it was it was wild and yep. then everybody was like nah dog now nah, we're we gonna take that nah, check check the Appreciate shit out it. yeah yeah so i mean but that's the kind of thing we want to be able to do we want to be able to, to you know not have reddit kappa just find a peppy day out of nowhere because they just happen to see a couple of online matches on youtube we want like to be able to find those guys in Paraguay or or Bolivia or whatever the hell they happen to be, right? Um, and give those guys a chance to shine and have the world recognize them and and say, hey, you know what? 
you know, maybe even sponsors go, you know, I don't know who this kid is, but look at his win percentage. Let's see if he can do something. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of stuff we want to be able to do. No, that's cool. That's a, that's a thought provoking question. And I appreciate that you're trying to find the answer to that. Um, but with that, th- that will do it for an episode, but I cannot let you go okay. until, uh, you answer this line of questioning. I ask everyone, it's the same question. Uh, first time they're on the show. And I think that it can tell a lot about your person and kind of how you think as a player uh, by how you answer it. It comes in two parts. First part of the question is, what is your favorite normal attack in any fighting game and why? All right, now I had to, you, you gave this question ahead of time, thank goodness, because you, you, <laughs> you give your guests like a little, you know, a dossier of what you'll talk about. Yeah. This, this and the next question, I literally spent way more time on, on these than anything else. I was like, shit, I don't know. <laughs> um, and I ended up going with, uh, for the favorite normal attack, uh, Cable Stan H in Marvel 2, because it's so silly. It's like, I can't imagine being a dev and be like, all right, well, let's give him a gun. It's just one button. And then like, all right, no, 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 it's not good enough. Be able to fire four times. Nah, still not good enough. I need to be able to cancel into a a projectile. You know, still not good. I need to be able to cancel that into special in the super. And then I need to be able to like keep canceling that until I don't have meter anymore. Yeah, that's it. That feels right. Yep. We just need to work that into loop and all right. (laughs) And we're good. Yeah. Now now we got it. Now we got it. That that feels right now. Uh, Yeah. That, that that normal is so stupid. I mean, I I have so many possibilities and even like guilty of strive the, um, that crouch, I think it was his uh, crouch uh, slash with Faust. That move looks so insane when he like molts out of his own ass. Like it's so weird. Um, <laughs> Dude, guilty. Fa- mm, I do love Faust. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Faust. I do like Potemkin. Guilty Gear is mm-hmm. so fucking beautiful. I love it. Have you seen the one touch kill on Chip with Potemkin? Oh yeah, because it's just like that's what everybody goes to because it's so beautiful. <laughs> it's Potemkin versus Chip is one of the all time greatest speed characters versus dummy dummy thick characters it is it's a classic every every because each other person hates the matchup <laughs> like <Yeah>. both times <laughs> are like i fucking hate getting mixed up and chips are like i fucking hate dying in one hit <laughs> it's, oh, it's so it, i mean i'm not great guilty gear by any means I'm, I'm pretty noobish at that game like this is the one i probably spent the least amount of time on but i love watching it and mm-hmm. i love messing around with it. um and then he took out the gatling system that shit was weird i didn't know what was happening uh but <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, that's that's, a, that's an interesting game coming up though. That's a bit contentious uh, with with people right now of how they are enjoying the game. I personally find that style. I don't know. It's it's different. I like that they're taking a chance. That could be cool. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just so fucking gorgeous. I think the new oh, Faust look oh is uh, the new Faust looks so fucking good. Like God, I can't, so I can't deny that, that their animators are just on another level. Like I can't. When I was a child, I imagined games might look like this. But I was like, nah, that's like having a flying car. That's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> my, my hot take on the whole thing is that I actually love the dumb UI. I think it, it looking big and dumb is so fucking appropriate Me where too. I'm just like, yeah, man, make it, make it dumb. <laughs> Now, I couldn't challenge anybody which sucked. I could not figure that out. But I'm fine with with the idea of the lobby system. And I wish you could you could choose which floor you were on after you access the floor. But anyway, yeah, I mean, yeah, this is all later. beta stuff that like 
I imagine will get hashed out or if people are actually voicing their concerns in like the, the write in thing that people were supposed to do instead of just voicing it on Twitter. Uh, be, How many will do that? I mean, hopefully, I mean if they're going to ask for feedback, I hope that people use the correct channels for that. And then they, yeah, take I, I gave it, I gave it, but you know, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll I'm just, just observations, but 100%. part two of the question, <laughs> what is your favorite combo in any fighting game and why? So also took a long time to think about this and mm-hmm. I just could not get an answer. I mean, I could think of like a lot of moments that like got me hype as hell. Um, but I was like, all right, what? Like, I was like, at least like right now. And it's, it's just like I'll be watching Problem X play with Bison in, in V Trigger 2. And I'm, he just does shit. The way I wrote it out, actually, when you um, provide that doc, I said, there's so much creativity that I never know what he what's coming, like a good hip hop flow. Mm-hmm. Like he just does stuff. I'm just like, nah. I'm like, oh, we, we've hit the limits of what's possible here. And he just does something. I was like, what the what? How? Why? Like, did you just it's, it just feels like, you know, it's like watching Rush Down play, but like s tier version of just trolling it's the funniest <laughs> shit that you'll ever see um and, and i just really enjoy watching him play in, in in his stream he does uh just give a lot of good advice to people and um seems to you know and, and in person he's a, he's a really humble guy like a love. oh yeah no he, he's yeah. great uh absolutely and i think that you're the way that you've put it of it being having a good flow is interesting because I think that's just about correct because that particular V trigger just gives him, it gives him many options. It gives him a lot more variance of his, his movie. He gets the psycho crusher. He gets the command grab. He gets the, the explosion. It's a whole, each one can play off the other. And it's a, I don't know. It's, it's aspirational is what it is for me. Like I look at him like, damn, I want to do that. Um, so, you know, Geef and, and Bison are who I use more than anybody, and I really want to. I just, I just want to take time to really hone in, get my ass with a few times on on uh, on the stream uh, coming up here on Monday. I do love a good Zangief, absolutely. Oh, that's uh, so funny. Um, and, oh, and the other, the, and so a close second though to that is anything okay. Geese does in any game. That's fair. That's fair. He's, <laughs> he's he just talks shit to you the whole time while he's whooping your ass. It is so funny. So um, I had to also mention Geese because he's just his character design is just it just cracks me up all the time. It's like predictable, predictable. (laughs) Like I love it, man. He's so great. (laughs) No, that's good. Those are good answers. I appreciate that, and I appreciate your time uh, in joining us this week to talk. Thank you, thank you very much for having me, man. Like I really appreciate um, you know you giving you know adapt a chance to just talk about what we're doing and yeah you know as we move forward I definitely. You know, would you know like to reach out and, and talk more about like what we actually implemented, what's what's ready. Um, and of course, I'm always listening to the pod and, and watching the stream. So, um, you know, you, you'll see me up there, his hands and face coming up, getting my ass whooped. So we'll we'll see how it goes. Be happy to give feedback once uh, once it's available. Uh, but one more time, where can people find you and Adapt on the internet? So um, currently, uh, Adapt does not have any channels on its own. We'll be creating those. But if you're trying to reach out to Adapt to give us any feedback, please, please, please reach out uh, to my Twitter at alanton11. So that's A-L-A-N-T-O-N-1-1. And um, also by email, I can be reached at aaron at adapt.gg. 
All right, folks. Uh, once again, I am Joe Monday. You can find me at Super Joe Monday or at Reddit SF on Twitter.com or just hop on our Street Fighter, post whatever, and I will definitely see it and you know, post your stuff there. Uh, promote your stuff there. Yeah. Please yeah, do. Yeah, 100% we will. We will. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fantastic tool for you and for everybody. Uh, yeah, but that is a show. Catch us most every Thursday-ish now. Uh, things again, scheduling things is weird with the, the, the current times that we live in, uh, under quarantine. <laughs> no, but, we know it. Every, everybody's feeling that right now. And, and it's just, it one day weird, a day. <laughs> yeah. One day at a time, just one quarantine day at a time. Yeah. Uh, but that will do it. Don't forget about the tournaments on Mondays and Fridays, Mondays on the East coast, Fridays on the West coast. But until next time, folks, take care. Peace. <laughs>